I'm Rebecca Alley, and this is The Weekly. Well, we are officially in the midst of the holiday season. While it can be a time for joy and reflection and potentially more time spent with family than last year, it can also be a difficult time for folks who are experiencing homelessness and financial hardship. So we are joined by Tracy Hare today, the Executive Director of Home Co-op in Orland, which oversees the Emmaus Homeless Shelter in Ellsworth, to talk about the work the local shelter is doing and how we can check in on our neighbors who may need some help. Tracy, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's crazy to think we are approaching the two-year mark of the pandemic, uh, but here we are. I want to start by asking if you're seeing a similar response from people that you saw at the beginning of the pandemic, or if challenges have changed and new ones cropped up, um, and if you've seen an increase in people looking for some assistance. Uh, So I'll unpack the first question. Um, The response, the response now is, is much different than it was back in March. Mm -hmm. Um, We're noticing um, people have become more, uh, more used to COVID being a a part of our lives. Uh, So the um, running an emergency shelter congregate setting when there aren't, um, uh, uh, mandates in place for mosques and things like that becomes really challenging because it puts the shelter staff on the front line with those conversations with people who are in crisis. And that, so that's a, a little bit of a challenge. Um, as far as uh, support, that, that, that's really been unwavering. The community has really rallied to, to support the increase in distribution for food. And um, Maine State Housing Authority has really supported us all the way along to retrofit the shelters and to make sure that we can still keep the shelters running for people who fall into homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, as far as the increase in need, um, it fluctuates, it, it always fluctuated seasonally. Uh, of course, when stimulus money was going out, we saw less um, people coming for food pantry services. And that just anecdotally suggested that more money folks had, the less they were relying on food pantries. It's it's picked back up to a steady pace now. So here in um, we we distribute about 157 boxes a month between the Ellsworth site and the Orland site. Mm-hmm. Um, we have about 67 people signed up for Thanksgiving this year. That's about 20 less than the year prior. Okay. So there's a shift there. That's for the Orland pantry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it tends to fluctuate as um, we as people get a little more income coming to them. Uh, as far as shelters, uh, it, it's hard to gauge an increase in need. Generally, homelessness is going down as a state, but in some populations, it's rising um, of the of the demographic um, and. Um, the state has a 50% reduction in emergency shelter beds, and Hancock County is no exception. We're down about 25 beds uh, because of social distancing. Wow. The shelter across the street at Emmaus is down to 11 beds, full full function, because of social distancing. And then our shelters in Orland as well are down about 13 beds. So it's 
there's 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 a long list. There's 37 people on the waiting list for Emmaus this morning. Wow. Um, those are single individuals, uh, and the the uh, male and female dorms are both full. We have two family spaces open this morning, uh, but the the individual dorms are full, uh, both here and in Orland. So you kind of touched on it there. As the pandemic carries on, how how um, have shelter guests been able to access services with the you know that decrease in in beds because right. of social distancing and just kind of other roadblocks? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, in the beginning, we we were building a plane while flying it. We had a house here in Ellsworth that. Um, somebody was selling, and they they took it off the market and let us use that to quarantine. Uh, so if so, if a family is experiencing homeless homelessness, and when they present, they have a COVID test, and if they were positive, we have a place for them to go. So they're still sheltered. Uh, and likewise with individuals, if individuals present homeless and they they test positive for COVID before entry into the shelter, we would connect them with. There are two hotels set up with DHHS for COVID-positive people experiencing homelessness. Ourselves, we we have used two hotels, a hotel here in Ellsworth and a hotel in Bucksport for um, when we were at, capaci- at COVID capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used hotels for folks who were able to stay independently. Um, and I would say between Ellsworth and here, um, at the most, we had eight hotels at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those days varied from one week at a time to three months. Um, sometimes it would mean if we if we don't have a person on site who can test somebody for COVID, we'd put that individual in a hotel until we had a staff person available. So we really didn't have an interruption in service. Those beds were replaced with alternative sites. Unfortunately, now, and this actually speaks to your first question, uh, what's different is hotels aren't readily available um, through the summer and fall season. So that was a real challenge. And we're not sure going into winter what that's going to look like. It won't impact our county necessarily as dramatically as it will impact the urban centers, Portland and Bangor. But certainly we've had wonderful um, relationships with local hotels to take two or three people why they waited for a bed to come up. So we've lost beds, but we've we've found alternatives for that need, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That that um, shortage of hotel rooms, was that driven by the tourist season? It, yeah, yeah, right. So hotels are, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to make a living, yeah. and um, suddenly this, you know, public health crisis came upon us, and we're asking hotels to be essentially a social service safety net. Um, you know, shelters pay pay the rate, market rate for the beds, but it's 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 challenging. And as you know, folks who come into homelessness um, experience challenges and barriers to stability that um, that aren't always easily met in a hotel setting when staff are not on location. So we we have to be very cautious of how we how we spread out in order to help. So this time of year, I think especially. Members in the, of the community look to ways that they can help if they are able to. So, what are some ways that people can offer assistance or donations or anything? right? So, you know, both uh, all of our shelters have had to climb mountains to to um, 
to make sure the system stays open. So that includes increased staffing patterns, 24-7 staffing patterns. So financial donations are are most helpful because they're more flexible um, donations and we can use them, for example, to purchase cell phones for a person who may be unsheltered and we need to know where they are in case they're exposed to COVID, things like that. Um, general support funding um, can can also be mailed to, to the main office. Um, food, we, we graciously accept donations of food, particularly here to the Ellsworth Food Pantry. And uh, we, um, personal hygiene items, things that are, if you think about what's not covered under food stamps, SNAP benefits, okay. those items are particularly helpful. Along with the work the shelter does with immediate um, and emergency homelessness, I read the, the shelter's vision statement that includes care for the development of affordable housing. Can you talk about your work in that arena? Yeah, so um, I'm on the Statewide Homeless Council, and uh, we've been working for a year now to redesign the homeless shelter response system in Maine. There um, is a lack of about 20,000 u- bricks-and-mortar units in our state right now for current voucher holders. So we have a, a serious crisis on our hands. Um, so we, we just can't build houses or buildings fast enough to keep up with the housing needs. So that's, that's one area that we're not building bricks and mortar, but we're certainly, uh, making partnerships with, um, current landlords to, to serve our population, but we're also advocating, um, for more, uh, housing production, more, more rehab of older houses. Uh, another part of that is there's in our county there's a challenge we have a shortage of affordable housing we also have a a critical shortage of workforce housing and then we have a critical shortage of housing for seniors and they're all um, hitting at the same intersection of need and so if we don't uh, tackle this uh, urgent as a crisis, um, we'll have a bigger problem on our hands and we don't have enough capacity shelter-wise to respond to that. Uh, Home has built affordable housing in the past. We've built 52 houses. Uh, we're not building houses any longer. We're focused on the crisis response mm-hmm. of homelessness. But we are participating in the homeless system redesign, and you'll hear more about that going down the road. But the the promise with that is 200 more units available in the state, not necessarily in Ellsworth. Um, part of that is also working with developers to encourage them to, when they're building market rate, to make sure that that rate is affordable to the workforce, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we want the workforce to be able to find housing here in Ellsworth and Orland, Bucksport as well. Um, I think that's interesting that it's not just... Uh, um, an issue with folks not being able to afford housing. Yeah. It's, it's literally not there. Housing stock. We have, we have um, some of the oldest housing stock in the country and we uh, it's bricks and mortar. And what's interesting, um, we share this same concern with Knox County. Uh, we are a coastal region and um, every year dozens of houses get taken off the permanent housing market mm-hmm and turned into seasonal housing. 
And while that's not necessarily a criticism, but it is our reality here in Hancock County, um, how many of our year-round houses are now seasonal weekly rentals in the summer. And so we really have to understand in our whole county how much housing stock we're losing because we're not keeping pace with it. Mm. Um, so it is, it is um, it's a crisis. And we're advocating, we're at every table that's talking about it, um, just to ensure that. And, and affordable doesn't necessarily always mean low income. Affordable also means for a person here in Ellsworth uh, working a full-time job, they still can't, the, the, um, the recent data shows that it's still large, 70% largely unaffordable in our county for a, a person working a full-time job to afford a two-bedroom apartment. Um, so it's a mountain to climb. Advocacy is our role. And um, Rent Smart is a piece that I'd love to mention. We're working with people experiencing homelessness. On uh, We do a Rent Smart class, which readies them for renting and being a, a tenant and hopefully helps make that tenancy more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of... What kind of budget budgeting mm-hmm. um, any any um, any part of being a tenant that that we may take for granted um, communications with landlords uh, and um, tenants rights landlords rights mm-hmm. um, those types of things that kind of touches on you know I think that there are a lot of barriers out there that keep people from accessing safe and affordable housing that uh, people may not realize, um, like that communication, you know, landlord-tenant communication. Yeah. Can you talk about some other barriers that keep people from... Sure. Um, I don't know if you've realized um, now a credit check is required for most applications. I didn't so, um, you know, many, many people, um, even if they're not low-income, have some work to do on their credit. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a barrier. I, I think um, we have a substance use challenge that, um, in in our county, and that certainly is a barrier to housing stability. Uh, IDs identification um, that that be sometimes becomes a barrier, um, and then landlord history. Uh, some of our folks have burned bridges mm-hmm. and. Uh, so our work then begins to to build that relationship with the landlord uh, that they can trust that this relationship will work out. Um, we're trying to bring more and more landlords to the table, also understanding that um, that it's not easy for them when a relationship tenancy relationship doesn't work out. So um, transportation's a barrier. Um, if they live in any of our towns outside of Ellsworth Hub. Um, that becomes a barrier to to services. Um. I I want to talk next about the stigma associated with experiencing <clears throat> homelessness or needing to access a food pantry. How can we? I guess this is a pretty big question, but how sure. can we as a society work to overcome that stigma? And do you think that any work has been done? Amid the pandemic, it's been a time for a lot of reflection, and we've really seen how there are some where the holes are in our systems. 
Do you think that has changed any perspectives on homelessness? I do, I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up because if if there is going to be, I always like to look for the good lesson mm-hmm. out of a tragedy, right? And I think one thing the pandemic has made us more mindful and aware of our human uh, sameness. So when we were told to shelter in place, um, it really it really was a, an equalizer in a way because people who were housed and people who were unhoused had the same challenge coming at them, the same crisis they were facing, and that, and that unified people. Um, the other part of the stigma is to understand that through the decades, we've had different demographics experiencing homelessness. You know, in the in the 60s and 70s, it was usually single males. In the, in the 70s and 80s, a lot of fam- women with children, and that I suspect was part of the DV movement, mm-hmm. really collecting that data. And now um, the number one cause of homelessness is a lack of affordable housing. Substance misuse is number two. But it's lack of affordable housing. And I think the education to folks, I, I, I'm the director of home. But 17 years ago, I was homeless, and that's how I came to my job. So we have to understand that in a society where um, even when when effort doesn't necessarily mean stability, Mm -hmm. that anybody could be homeless, right? No matter how much effort you put into your situation, um, anyone can be homeless. And I think that's part of our role when we talk to folks. We, We... have a conversation and then we let them know I I was homeless. That's how I got here. Um, I think it, um, yeah, when, when poverty is the biggest cause of homelessness in our country, in our state, in our town and in our County, um, I think that in and of itself should destigmatize the situation. It's not, um, all one or all it's, um, people it's finding that humanity the common the common ground right um, it's not to say there are differences among people who come come to us but at, at this point I've been at home for for 16 years and at this point uh, the stigma is is I think it's going down in, in our area I, I don't think that's the same case in in Bangor or Portland, but in our area, it's certainly going down because I think we all can understand how close many of us are to not getting by. Yeah. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. That was one of the, the initial findings from the pandemic is that when people were out of work, um, many people don't have a savings or something yeah. to fall back on, even from just missing Right, a few and, days or a week. Exactly. And if we think about the COVID test as a good example, you see the ads, COVID test is in the pharmacy. It, it's what, $35 for a test or $70 for a test? That's really not affordable to many people who are on just such a tight, tight budget working or not working. Um, so we do take for granted um, the income disparity, I think. But yeah. Well, uh, when uh, I mentioned, you know, I um, helped some folks look to help during the holidays um, yeah. to keep that all from just right. coming to an abrupt stop once, you know, New yeah. Year's rolls around. How um, are there ways for people to get involved once the holidays are, are over? Uh, sure. Yeah, we, we have um, lots of, first of all, there are volunteer opportunities, not as many in our Ellsworth site. That's a more tight uh, congregate setting. Mm-hmm. So it's not easy to separate folks safely there. 
Um, but ongoing, we have, you know, we have a robust food distribution system. We, we uh, distributed more than 100,000 pounds of food last year between both of our sites. So food, um, food donations and perhaps helping with those distributions are always super helpful. Well, we've had some uh, mentor help come into our family spaces to read stories to children uh, and just to serve as a, a bright light in the middle of a chaos crisis so parents can can work on their barriers while children are not necessarily being exposed to those challenges. Um, those are always opportunities. Of course, there are guidelines with that, but one can find out by calling what the process is for volunteering. Um, Let's see, we, we have a resource closet here in Ellsworth, um, in the shelter, in the MA shelter, and the, those are free items. She sent me her new hours, actually. Um, those, that one is open. I don't have it here. Let's see. It's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So that's a free resource closet. Folks can donate clothing gently used items too and guests in the shelter have access to that as well as people in the community um, we also have a thrift store in Orland and uh, that's again that's for low income people um, anyone could shop there but low income people can access it with vouchers or free um, lots of other there's lots of people can do to help spread awareness um, participate in our fundraisers and of course donations help always lots Lots that can be done. Yeah, yeah. We, we serve, you know, well, this is Christmas. We, we're serving about uh, 440 families this year between both sites. Um, so that's always something that we could use help with. Is that about uh, the, um, the number that you serve each year? It is. It is. Yeah, that stays pretty much stagnates the same. Uh, we do have some reserve um available if more families come it's really hard to know until the week of christmas who what your shelter census will be and um there's always a last minute request that comes in yeah and we do about from the uh, from ellsworth we'll be giving out around 70 um thanksgiving food boxes and it's the same again in orland great well tracy thanks so much for your time and for what you do thank you Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. We'll be taking a holiday break, but we'll be back again with new episodes in January. In the meantime, feel free to listen to some of our previous episodes from our first season. You can find The Weekly wherever fine podcasts are downloaded or visit one of our news websites. The Weekly is a collaboration between the Ellsworth American, Courier Gazette, Republican Journal, Camden Herald, and Mount Desert Islander, all powered by Village Soup. If you have a comment or suggestion for someone we should talk to, send us an email at theweekly at villagesoup.com. Until next time.